0: good morning and welcome to the free to be show today i'm excited to have my guest in my series the final of my series on working and today we'll be talking about mining for joy and leadership right after this hi my name is cordelia Gafar. i'm the ultimate joy goddess i help you to create sustainable practices of self-nurturing to discover your ultimate joy through workshops retreats coaching my books, this podcast, and speaking engagements to co-create your sacred experience. What does that feel like? For mind alignment. For your yoni, more movement throughout your day. For your stomach, the best nutrition to nourish your body. For your heart, acknowledging your emotions. For your brain, more sleep. Work with me. So that you can be replenished. Are you aligned in your four minds? Be free with replenishment. Okay, so now I will introduce you to my final guest for the month of May. Um, Paul McFadden is the CEO of Zero Point Leadership. He has been exemplifying leadership excellence for almost 30 years in the private, public and philanthropic sectors to include organizations such as the American Red Cross, the government of the District of Columbia and Care First Blue Cross Blue Shield. He is also the Managing Director and CEO of Zero Point Leadership, Inc., a global science-based leadership and human development firm with foundations in neuroscience, mindfulness, resilience, quantum theory, performance opt- optimization, and mind-body research. With no further ado, hello, Paul.
1: Hello there, Claudia. Cordelia, how you doing?
0: <clears throat> I'm great. Thanks for being on the Free to Be Show today.
1: Wonderful to see you.
0: So, you know, yesterday I was scrolling on Instagram and I saw that you did a live and you said something very interesting and I would like to start there. Um, You said that you could not focus during your meditation practice and you decided to give yourself grace.
1: Yes, yes. So how much context do you want behind that? <laughs> well,
0: let's start from the inside out first, right? So we'll, t- we'll start with you. And then we'll talk about how uh, that comes up with you and your clients. Absolutely. Thanks.
1: So yesterday, so I'm an a, a experienced meditation practitioner. I've been meditating for about eight years. In the last um, five, I've been practicing Transcendental Meditation. Um, and that's been my method of meditating, primarily in the morning and the evening, 20 minutes a day, every day. And just like everybody else out there who meditates, there are days where we aren't as focused as we'd like to be during our meditation. Some days more thoughts come in and pop in our mind than other days, you know, because that can be based on what we're experiencing throughout the week, or through the day, or in the month, or in the in those moments. So I was experiencing multiple thoughts around all the normal things we think about finances, relationships, uh, career, um, what I have, what I'm going to make for dinner tonight, <laughs> all those things, what I have to do this week. And I started getting really frustrated with myself to the point where I was going to be, you know, in a space where I will say, I'll stop my meditation. I'll meditate later. And just when I started thinking about that, um, That having that thought of I'm going to stop, the thought popped in my my head, give yourself some grace. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that popped in, I was able to go back to the foundations, the mantra for my meditation and complete the meditation in a way that um, I felt like I was whole, I was full, and I got deep, deep, I got in a deep meditative state, even if it was only for 10 minutes versus the whole 20 minutes. So it felt good.
0: That's enough to reset the, the yeah. So, you know?
1: Absolutely. And then I shared it. I just said, hey, you know, this is, this is worth sharing. So I got on live.
0: Yeah, thank you. I just want to acknowledge that Angela's here. Hello, Angela, good morning. And she said grace is sufficient, especially for self.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that.
0: Yeah, so she she actually is a therapist. So let's go ahead and now... When you're working with your clients, what does that look like?
1: So that's very interesting because just as you're asking that, I'm thinking about how often I tell my clients to give themselves some grace Hmm. um, and with whom I am saying it to. So I work with mostly senior executive C-suite leaders and... And in a, and a hand, and, and they're pretty much split—maybe sixty percent women and forty percent men—and mm-hmm. they're often diverse backgrounds. So this is not a you know a specific focus on any particular group of people, but I'm just going to call out the gender. And I probably say that more often to my women clients than I do to my men, no, male clients, and. What's and, that about?
0: Exactly. <laughs> Let, let's dig into that.
1: Let's dig into that. You know, I, I want to say it this way, and some, I would, I would imagine uh, a good percentage of men would agree with me. As we were growing up as children, you know, and society tells us that we have to be a certain way, and we have to be strong. We can't express emotions. Uh, we really just need to kind of suck it up. And mm-hmm. and that soft stuff is left for That's weak. That's a sign of weakness. And of course, you see the trends now where you're seeing more embracing of the divine masculine. Right. You know, trying to tease out what's divine masculine versus toxic masculinity. And but a lot of people still subscribe to the toxic masculinity because that's what we've been taught for generations and generations and generations. Now, as much as I do all the work on myself, which is a lot of work, um, I'm still part of this society. And so that is still part of my DNA that I have to kind of check myself and, and, and kind of realign myself once I notice that it's happening. Um, I can tell when I'm talking to the women that I'm that I'm coaching I know the experience. I understand the experience. And while I'm not a woman, um, I, I grew up with women, I, you know, and then three sisters and a mom, strong, all strong women, aunt, strong women, you know, my grandparents, my grandmothers, strong women. Um, and I think I give yourself some grace came from my grandmother. <laughs> I, just, I think about it. Um, but I can see the struggle of wanting, of being at the table, but not feeling like, or not believing I should be at the table. So that whole imposter syndrome. Situation. Hmm. Um, and it's, and so it comes out naturally because I can see the efforts that are being made to be authentic, our authentic selves and, and having to be better than everybody else and not allowing ourselves the room to have emotions, to have feelings about anything, uh, and then be able to express that without being categorized as being angry or too confrontational or whatever it is. And sometimes those things are just part of life and they're necessary. Um, Sometimes we don't mean to, and we beat ourselves up. The self-talk that comes after that, and I talked to myself for at least a minute (laughs) before that thought popped in my head. You can't you doing? Well, I mean, you're a seasoned meditator. Why, why are you having this problem? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it sounds like it's
0: almost like uh, a curse having uh, all the certifications and all the experience, right?
1: Yeah. But I look at these leaders and I'm like, you deserve to be there. You know what? Today wasn't a great day or that exchange was not a great exchange. Or maybe you didn't make the best decision. You made a good decision, but maybe it wasn't the best decision. um and instead of beating yourself up over it, just give yourself a little bit of grace because you did your best—the best that you could in that moment. And if you recognize that, and you can learn from that, then you won't make the same mis- "quote unquote" mistake again. You won't make right. the same decision again, um, right? Because you won't make the same decision.
0: And it's really just an experience of life, right? It's just an experience. <clears throat> it's like data, hmm. so that we'll know. Um, these types of actions equal this outcome. Right. And then we can, um, what do you call that? We can keep track of that, right? And so we'll, we'll be able to predict how to behave the next time. So I am wondering now, now that you have this awareness that you do it more with your female clients and your male clients, like going forward, what would that, look like
1: well you know for me and i think it depends on the client um it's so funny when i think about myself when i first got into coaching (laughs) i was so prescriptive to the process um and i still own the process but now i get to show up as me and um and be my full self with my clients. I don't hold anything back, so they get the full expression of me. I mean, certainly there's there's a time for certain language and a time for certain idioms and all that kind of stuff. But I don't, you know I don't have to give all that, but I can be expressive. I, I can um, talk about emotions in a in a way that lands for them because it's not just about talking about emotions, but how does this person need to hear that information so they can take it in? So when I experience my you know, male leaders having the same, same struggle um, and being able to get them to articulate, yes, I'm feeling this way right now. It's a lot easier for me to come in there and say, give, you know, give yourself some grace. But I think a lot, of, a lot of my male clients, they struggle with even admitting that they have these feelings sometimes like they don't belong at the table.
0: Yeah, it's it sounds like now um, that you are in full awareness of who you are, that you're able to see the reflection of that in your clients, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you will allow yourself that more. So I, I want to connect this to your recent TEDx talk. Congratulations on that.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you. You're welcome. And so... What I heard it as was, again, like right now, I feel like we've been talking about unconscious bias, right? Unconscious gender bias so far. And in your TED Talk, you actually are helping people to overcome unconscious biases, if I'm understanding it correctly. And you're being human Mm
1: 2.0.
0: Is that accurate?
1: So that's part of it. Absolutely. Okay. So that entire talk was really about Reflecting on what we know, the data that we've all received over the last two to three years, some of us, our entire lives, <laughs> right? Yeah. But the data that the entire world became aware of and cannot unsee anymore. Hmm. Right? So it's not just groups of people talking about the different experiences they're having in, in their life experience, in their, in their ancestors' experience, but everybody got to see it. And with that comes some awareness if we're willing to actually put our attention on it. And what became very apparent to me, and it's been apparent for a lot of people, people talk about this all the time. It's just that right now we're very ripe for expanding our consciousness, which means we have to evolve consciously. It's not like we're gonna grow another arm and two more legs and you know and a bigger brain. We've had the same size brain for a million years right Um, but it's about how we experience the world and experience each other and and then how and and what that relates to the the environment to the planet to the universe to everything that's living Hmm. so becoming human 2.0 is really about marrying ancient wisdom and what we understand about human development so modern science in that in that vein and how do we achieve this state of utopia that is promised with enlightenment but understanding that hey you know what when buddha was alive there wasn't eight billion people on the planet and in all the other sages of the past there wasn't this many people on the planet so if you could go months without seeing a human being couldn't you sit in a cave for six months probably by yourself in the dark a lot of things happen right and you get some you get some awareness real fast But how do we do that today? Hmm. So part of it is being able to um, get past our ego, kind of have an understanding of who we are as individuals, what our purpose is for being here, um, which is really just to connect and grow. Um, And if we really think about it in its its fundamental form, it's really about love. You know, I I embody love, you embody love. We're supposed to connect. We're supposed to spread love, you know, (laughs) and and make connections along the way when that happens. But we, we've lost sight of that because of technologies, because of all these advancements, because of just what we've done to the environment, because of all the people. Um, and we think we don't have time. And certainly want to talk about time, because while that is a construct that we have created as humans, um, in this experience that we're having right now, in this human experience, we only got so much time in this suit, in this biological suit. And then we're going to move on. And energy doesn't die, energy just changes form, and it, and it moves on someplace else. So that's the good thing that we, that, we, that we can take away from that experience. But we only have so much time in this experience. Right? So what are we going to do with it? Um, and if we evolve, we can actually have uh, a better experience at it because we'll treat each other better.
0: Yeah, and and that is recognizing that we are, when you talk about energy, right? We're the energy of love, we're made from love. And, and I okay, people say that love is like the highest frequency, I disagree. I, I really think that joy is. <laughs> and, you know, like joy and bliss is at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we were made for. So if that's true, what would help us to um, realign ourselves? Let's just, we'll go with the frequency of of love. (laughs) Um, I'm
1: sorry? I said, certainly.
0: Yeah. So like if we were to realign ourselves with the frequency of love, um, what does that look like? Where would we begin?
1: Well, there's a a journey that we're all on as human beings. We really don't recognize it. Many of us recognize it when we're at the final stages of life. And, and, you know, when you start talking to people and people start having regrets and wishing they had done all these different things in their life or had accomplished something, it all comes down to understanding... Why are we here? I mean, two two most important days of our of our existence are the day we were born and the day we figure out why. And some people figure out why, so purpose, calling they figure that out early on. Some people don't figure it out until it's too late, and then they can't do anything about it. You know, their physical body is not strong enough to even pursue what their mind is telling them. Hey, you know what? This is where you need. This is where you need to spend your energy, and this is where you need to spend your time. This is what you were put here for. So there is work around understanding purpose and and really awakening to our own consciousness and kind of understanding who we are,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. why we're here. But then understanding that connects to everything that goes on in our lives. So we have to really lead, figure out how to lead ourselves. So how to lead ourselves emotionally, how to lead ourselves from a mindset or cognitive performance perspective. So it's not just, you know, having a growth mindset, but how do you tap into those states more regularly? You know, st- stop leaving it up to chance. We, we allow all these things to come in and grab our attention. And if we were just able to step back and block some of that out, we would be a lot more successful. We would have a lot better experiences because we'd be in those moments present more often. Right. So why not create the environment aligned to an align to an environment with practices that take you there? So it's not just get yourself in a space where you can get into more flow, but how do I do that? Right. Well, there's certainly strategies and techniques that we can use to get there. So let's start using these techniques. This is not this is old wisdom. Um, so we really gotta take care of ourselves. So purpose figure out how to manage our emotions. So become a master of our emotions, become a master of our mindset, become a master of our nutrition, become a master of our bodies and treat these temples like they're meant to be treated um, and put the energetic source food energy into our bodies that allows us to, work, to, to operate at its peak. And let's get in line with that first. And then, once we can get our, ourselves aligned with who we are and, and start working towards be, uh, optimizing ourselves, if you will, then we can start taking that to interactions with other people because we are meant to connect. So, you know, the interpersonal connection that we have, and this is friends, colleagues, romantic connections family, you know, friend, family, all these things, they're all interpersonal connections. I mean, think, thinking about yourself as an interpersonal connection with yourself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I'm really hearing you talk about, like, starting with the foundational piece of creating your own, um, self-leadership practices, mm-hmm. um, and mining there, there within. And, and then, um, I guess from that energetic space that creates like a platform for you to connect with others. Does that sound accurate?
1: That's accurate. That's very, that's very accurate.
0: Good morning, Bobby. She's a regular viewer here. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about mining then, (laughs) (laughs) right? Because that's, we're really here to, to understand how to mine for the joy within. So I see that, taking care of the temple. And this this resonates with me, you know, by the way, because like the replenish me process is that it's like a self-leadership process. Um, But in my case, it begins with like releasing what's expected and accepted. I guess our conversation started about societal norms, right? And then um, restructuring and the restructuring piece is what you were talking about with taking, um, creating these self-nurturing practices of, how you take care of your vessel and then the refresh is when what you've been practicing with yourself you implement those boundaries in relationships with others Mm. and that allows you to rebirth and give you that opening to to find your purpose yeah yeah i i think that actually i'll give you a couple of minutes to think about it we're going to go to a short (laughs) commercial break and then we'll, we'll pick it up there is that all right
1: That sounds great.
0: All right. Be right back. Awesome. Create your ultimate joy, personalized experience. Where do you see yourself this year? Is it in Hawaii or the Caribbean or perhaps it's Mexico? There are locations all over the world where you can connect with the elements. Wherever you choose, you can be with me, the ultimate joy goddess, to create and be a stand for your joy. Where where do you see yourself? Where would you like to be? Don't dream about it. Make it happen. connect with me at CordeliaGuffard.com. So mining for Mm -hmm. your.
1: (laughs) I'm ready to go Hawaii. I'm sorry, I'm ready to go Hawaii right now.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. Let's do that. (laughs) We'll we'll make a plan. (laughs) You know, that's what I did last June. I I took um, a group of women for a week to Hawaii. So, um, and and I would have to say, by the way, that is a great place to mine for your ultimate joy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, what would you? see as a beginning point for that. Not wow. going to Hawaii but mining. Not it. going to Hawaii
1: but mining. <laughs>
0: <laughs> stay on stay on topic. Don't get distracted.
1: Right, right. You uh, know I talk a lot about rituals and um in in my work. And there are rituals that resonate with people and there's rituals that do not resonate with them. So I it, for me, it's probably easier to share mine and kind of share my experience of what I did and what, and what I'm doing, because I, I don't want to give the impression that if you just do these seven things, then you will be enlightened um, in six months. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that because that's not true. Um, this is a journey. And because and it's we're, individual. It's individual and we're consistently evolving. We change all the time. Like you're a different person now than you were five months ago. And than sure. a year ago, and so am I. So we are changing and evolving. It's just did we did we do that with intention, or did we let it happen to us? And that's and that's the difference. Mm. So it's really about determining what direction you want to go first. So that takes a lot of self reflection. Now you can you can have a coach, you can have a therapist, you can do you can use plant medicine, you can use breath work. You, there's lots of tools out there now real tools, you know, and most of those are, I'll say, contemplative contemplative practices, right? So um, which one resonates? I mean, some people get there, but prayer, I I don't really don't care how you get there. It's more about getting clear about who you are and what direction you want to go and then intentionally aligning other areas of your life, Around that, so if you know that you're getting ready to do something, you're having an emotional response to something, you can ask yourself if you're able to see it and stop it. So let me caveat that because our our emotional experiences happen to us non consciously, unconsciously. However, people want to okay, say it.
0: Okay, I'm going to pause you on that point. So mm. here's my my viewpoint on emotions. Right, it's a, it's the actual bridge between our physical existence and our spiritual existence. Mm. So it's it's a necessary embracing that has to happen. Yes. You agree?
1: Yes, people don't know how to do it. People don't know how to do it because from a physiological perspective, most of the time emotions happen to us. They drive us, they drive the physiology. We experience them because we are not, we don't have the capacity, we have the capacity but we don't exercise the capacity to recognize them, see them non-judgmentally. Hmm. <laughs> That's the key, non-judgmentally, yeah. um, and react hmm. versus respond. So we need to be responding to the emotional experience, not reacting to the emotional experience. But because the way we're wi- wired biologically, five times more circuitry in the human brain to to detect you know, threat in the environment. The emotional response to threat is going to be something that's not going to be regenerative for us. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not going to say negative because fear is not a negative emotion. It's an emotion that is necessary for you to, for safety.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's what we've been conditioned to be afraid of.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? like everything now. <laughs>
1: And, uh, and honestly, the things that you might be afraid of, you might consider dangerous, I may not consider dangerous based on my experiences and past uh, and, and perceptions. So there is a lot of that going on. I mean, so there's a lot going on when we, when, we just, when we just talk about emotions, because we don't want to get caught up in the cognitive explanation or logical explanation of emotions, because emotions aren't logical. No.
0: They're,
1: they're based on the experience and, and that's shaped by our past. And mm. we view everything through the lens of the past. Right. And so then of course then you can we can actually bring in the conversation about generational trauma because we're viewing things through the lens of the past, but we also have the DNA of, of our ancestors. Yes. And that's in the that's in our DNA. It's in every cell in our in, in, in the human body. So we are now viewing through the lens of the past. And it's not just our past, it's our ancestors' past too. Um, and that is something that's cognitively difficult to get past. You have to do the work, mm. be able to slow down the movie, if you will, right? Yeah. Slow the movie down, even pause the movie, if You to if push the pause button and say, hey, you know what? And that, that can be done through breath work, alone. Mm. just through breath alone, to push the pause button. But we have to recognize that we're in a state that's not serving us in the moment. So this is where I tell people to, to give themselves some grace because they have to learn how to push the pause button. Push yeah. The button. How I said I
0: do- pause for the cause of you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So I, I say that because it's, it's complex. I mean, if if it was if it was black and white and we just could logically, you know, manage through that, why haven't we done it yet?
0: Hmm.
1: You know, according to Neil deGrasse Tyson, we, we there's been over a hundred billion humans. Born on this planet since since the existence of this planet, a hundred billion humans.
0: Wow, that's a lot.
1: And we haven't learned how to do that thing yet because it's all logical. No, it's, it's not. It's it's. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Yeah, there's hormones involved. There's there's. Um, you've got the evidence
0: evidence. Exp- right. So we we have evidence that we <clears throat> collect. You know, and and we decide. Do we decide? Is that the right word?
1: You know, I think we need to do more deciding, right? So, okay. the, but, so but in order to decide, we have to push pause,
0: hmm.
1: right? Like I said, emotions either drive us or they inform us. Hmm. And so we need to move into a space where we're taking it in as information. Why am I feeling this way? Where am I feeling that in my body? How do I wanna feel about this thing? And then have a strategy or a tool to shift my space from here to hear or change the radio station. I tell people, change the station. If you're if you're in despair and you want to be in gratitude, change the station.
0: Well, I mean, what I say is like, I have a map for sweet talk, <clears throat> right? So when we start having this <laughs> conversation with ourselves and it's going the wrong way, there's two possibilities. It's either a self-care issue, like you're not taking care of the vessel, you're hungry, you're tired. Mm-hmm. Um, or something like this, or there's a trigger issue, right? So you have evidence of a lived experience and you may have forgotten it because in these cases, sometimes we'll forget or, you know, somehow. And and so if it's not a self-care issue and it's a trigger issue, then the questions are different. So it's like, why am I um, having this experience again? Why have I connected the dots of this particular situation to whatever happened previously. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's when you can choose differently. Well, in these cases with triggers though, I really recommend to ask for help. Right.
1: Absolutely. You have to ask for help because I think like a lot of times people want to do this by themselves. We think we can, we got this. <laughs> we that's
0: got- the, yeah. Let's talk about the, I got this thing.
1: <laughs> right, right. So, and that's the mistake. I'm sorry, and a lot of people, I'm, this is not going to be popular with a lot of people because we all think we have our own autonomy and we're doing what we really want to do. And if you actually looked at this from the physiological perspective, we're only conscious. And I'm going to say this, and this is a, this is, this isn't, most neuroscientists would probably tell me it's much lower, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stretch a little bit and say three to 5% of the time in our life, we're in a conscious space where we are constantly aware of what's happening in this moment and experiencing reality in that moment. we are in a non conscious space. We are operating on autopilot. Hmm. And we're operating on autopilot based on our past experiences. And and those maps just get reinforced by more data because the data that we receive reinforces the map. So you were talking about triggers. Mm -hmm. So if you've been doing something your entire life, and let's say you're 50 years old and you've been doing it one way for 50 years, and then someone says, do it this way, that's great. But you have 50 years of a neural map that now has to be overcome and you don't break habits. So the things we're talking about, why we keep repeating these same patterns because they're habits, they're habitual. Oh, yeah. You don't break habits. And this, this is, that's another fallacy. We don't break, we create new ones. But to create the new one, you have to put it a tremendous amount of attention and attention and focus on that. So intention, intention, attention and focus. And it's got to be consistent in order to create the new habit. So it starts off as a routine or ritual that becomes a routine that then becomes a habit. So there's a process. Hmm. And when we start to understand the process, it it starts to make it palatable because we can't just turn the switch. It's like it took a million years for the water in um, Nevada to, to, to dig the Grand Canyon. Now, what do you got to do if you want to redirect the water? (laughs) You got to build a new canyon. Right. How long is that going to take you to do that? A million years. Maybe not a million years because we have technology now, but you're going to have to dig a new canyon to redirect that water. So what do we do? We dam it up and we try to redirect it. You know, what if you remove the dam? The water is going to go back on the original path because that is the path that it's used to going down. Yeah. Until you got another path that's just as strong or, or and, and can help and, re- and redirects without having to do anything else to it. So it's, we're working against our biology because again, yeah, we're energy, but we're still in a biological suit and it's the more we learn about it and the more we learn how to navigate, I'm going to say navigate, mm-hmm. because it's not about, it's not about fixing, uh, but, if, but we have to choose to do the work. We have to choose to implement the strategies. We have to choose to do the therapy. We have to choose to do, commit to whatever it is that we've said we are going to do in order to help us in whatever area that, we, that we've decided to, to work on. And until we do that, we're just leaving it up to chance.
0: Well, and we have maps within us, right? We've got maps in our brains. We've got maps in our uh, organs. And so, and I love that you brought in the the landscape, right? And nature, because what I'm really hearing you say underneath all of it, because we live in a body, we have to have embodiment practices. Right. Right?
1: Right. That's exactly so, it.
0: That's
1: exactly yeah. It. And so in <clears throat> many people, I would say, one that's scary. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh my
0: god, I have to I be in the body.
1: <laughs> what does that mean? I mean the body, you know, well, yeah. Yeah, this is this it's, it's very somatic. You got to understand the the body mind connection and and I say body mind because the mind is throughout the entire body. Right? We got we got neurons throughout the entire body. We have messenger uh neurons um and, and receptors in every cell in the human body that experience every emotion that you that you experience. So when we think we're experiencing it in our head, or we're experiencing. It, we actually experience more of them in our heart.
0: <laughs> well, we think we experience it in our head because we've diminished the the um, power of the rest of us, right? And yeah. what I what I say is like uh, proportionally, we're more body than we are brain. Yes but we rely so heavily on our brain that we ignore that we have a body.
1: Yeah. So that's, we we can thank a couple people for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, I I should, I should correct some people because I think a lot of times people will say like, well, we can thank Descartes for cutting the head off the body. Actually Descartes didn't really do that. He said what he needed to say in order to live. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't really what he was saying, but when you have an entire church that's going to execute you, if you don't say it this way, Guess what you're going to do?
0: Societal norms.
1: (laughs) You're going going to conform or die. So think. And anybody knows what I'm talking about. Do the research and connect to that because you'll find out that wasn't really what he was trying to do. He wasn't trying to dismiss that. But back to what we're talking about, you know, language exists here. So we identify emotions and we add it. I mean, once we language it and put a name to it, we think it happened here right? Our body experienced the emotion experiences, emotional reaction. Well, before we actually see the experience that we're, that we're going to have your your body's already picked up on it and it's
0: Mm -hmm. already started
1: to react. And there's lots of science that kind of demonstrates that, which is quite fascinating. So it's almost like we've, we're precogs, (laughs) we know what's going to happen before we actually know And then we have to process it and then we name it, but it's already happening. That's why it's, it's so fast. So, we have to be able to get ourselves in a, in, a, in a cognitive state, a conscious state, where we can actually see it, become, so become aware of it, then name it, but then say, let's sit in it for a second and then decide what we want to do with that. And that means we have to slow the process down. I mean, but we live fast paced lives. I mean we have to have everything yesterday yeah. And we're conditioned for that. And so it's hard to slow down. Embody, embody what? You mean I have to actually tell you where I feel my emotions? <laughs> yeah, you might need to identify that because if you could identify that and you know what the cause is, now you have something that you can tangibly say, I can do something about that. Hmm. Um, that's what needs to happen. So the embodiment, yeah. And so what are the practices? So we could talk about... Yoga, and we can talk about tantra, and we can talk about breath work, and we can talk about qigong, and t- all these ancient practices. So I keep going back to the ancient practices because these are the things that worked. Um, and we need to bring these practices back into our world and into our life, and we need to embody those practices. Um, and I, I'm only naming a few because I, there's so many. There's so many out there. Um, but
0: those are the only ones that work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's all those, like, and, and I left off of the list meditation, right? But, it, but but I mean, but there's a list of things, and you know, yeah. we, we could all throw out there, um, and it's just a matter of deciding which one resonates with you. Certainly, we can all argue that there are some that are more effective than others. You know, we can have that philosophical well, argument.
0: I mean, I wouldn't have an argument. What I would, what I'm he- really like, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, first of all, those ancient practices worked in ancient times because people honored the way they were created. Mm. Right. And so they, um, were more in a somatic world than a cognitive one. Right. And so there's that piece. And then the other part of it is, um, did I actually just lose my train of thought while I was thinking about something? Because I thought <laughs> I was skipping ahead. Um, the other part of it is um, right. When I talk about four mind alignment, that is an attempt to uh, honor the way we're created, you mm-hmm. know. And so for me, um, I, I I suggest tantra and the caveat here is it's only for certain body types right so mm-hmm. that according to how what your constitution is that's how you would know which embodiment practice is best for you so you mm-hmm. could actually spend your entire life trying this trying that trying this trying that or you could ask me or paul <laughs> <laughs> to uh, assess and find your body type and then we can direct you, you know, appropriately. And so I think that's um that that's the best way to mind if you're going to reach out for help, look for um the the coaches, the guides that can um lead you back to honoring the way you were created.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. You know, we're guides, you know, I, I used to joke around when I was facilitating programs and I would say, and I'd show the, you know, the, the, the scene from the Matrix with the red pill and the blue pill. And I said, (laughs) Morpheus Morpheus is just a guide, right? Morpheus is not going to tell you, Morpheus is not going to tell you that you're the one or not, that you're not the one. He's going to give you the information. He's going to expose to you the truth and help you, help you, help you find the truth. And then you have to decide you have to decide what's going to be true for you. And then, then you just got to believe it and embody it. Yes. That was the whole, the whole purpose of Morpheus and with his relationship with Neo, that was the entire premise. Yeah. Right. And so that's what we are. And it's not like we've already done it. We're doing it. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's happening.
1: It's just, it's just happening right now. Um, and I look at, the the journey is not a ladder. We're not, you know, there's not rungs because time is. It doesn't exist actually. We're just just all (laughs) in different places moving around, but yet we cross paths. And then Mm -hmm. sometimes our path crosses and we had more different experiences than the other person we could share. Right? These things work for me because I embody every single practice that I teach. I don't, just talk about it theoretically I don't I don't tell people you need to go and do some breath work and never have done it myself <laughs> I would never do that because I think that first of all I think it's a disservice and it's dishonest yeah. right I don't know you know now if I had an experience with it and I can tell you this is what my experience was and I'll share it with you it might be worth you investigating or you know what I explored Ayurvedic medicine maybe you need to explore that you know this is how it has how it, how worked for me. Or I experienced this. This is how it worked for me. Or this is how it worked for other people as well. Um, but these are things that are available to us. And many times we just don't know they're available to us, particularly in some of our population of people. And I would say the the, the black, indigenous people of color, you know, that what's interesting is like some much of this ancient wisdom comes from the indigenous populations.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right? It's because of the separation of colonization, you know. Um, and and I would also follow that up by saying, we all struggle, we all suffer the results of colonization, no matter mm. what, you know, whether we're black, white, indigenous or whatever, right? Right, um, Absolutely. Because it, it was a trauma for everybody. And, mm. um, and so we do have to recognize that. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're almost complete, you know? Um, <laughs> Because I, I feel like that that last piece gives people an idea of what it looks like to mine. You know, we dismiss these, um, you know, oh, those people, right? Those new age people, they do that meditation stuff, that Shigong stuff and yoga. That's not for me. And, um, you know, for your consideration, perhaps it's exactly what you need. And so what would you... Like to close out our space with today, Paul.
1: Yeah. So the first thing that popped into my head was something that I <clears throat> shared in my TED. So I'm going to share it here. Hmm. There are twenty nine thousand two hundred days in the average human life, and you are you have so many days you've already used, and you're still here. And if you do the math, take your age, multiply it by 365, you're going to get a number, and subtract that number from 29,200, which is about 80 years, which is about the average life expectancy. And that's being conservative. That's how much time you got left. And when I say it, and I picked this up from someone else, I'm not, I'm not taking credit for saying that and doing this life math. I got this from a man named Richard Leiter. Um, but When you do the math and you start thinking about where you are right now and where you want to be, that's how much time you have left potentially to watch the sun rise and watch the sun set and then start all over again. So we have to really decide, how do we want to spend our time? Do we want to spend our time frustrated with anxiety, worrying about life and day-to-day, or do we want to really get clear about who we are, what we want out of life, what's the experience, and that could be love, that could be joy, right? Um, and if you want to experience those things, start aligning our lives to that, which means that we have to do the work. And I know a lot of people don't want to do the work because they think they got to do it by themselves. And there are people here that are on the path, the same path, that want to help because we all want to see the expansion of consciousness, we all wanna see the evolution of humanity. And so just take a moment, reflect on that. And if you're ready to take the journey, there's no time like the present to start. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, Thank you so much for having me (laughs) on your show today. Um, It's been a pleasure and an honor to speak with you and your audience.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, Paul, for being here. And for those of you who are viewing and listening, if you've benefited, share this with another heart, share this with another soul. And until next week, be free. Thank you for listening to the free to be show. Now take this time to go into the oceans of your mind and deeply reflect and introspect on your depth. What would it look like to create a sacred experience? What would it feel like to create a world where you had your ultimate joy? Where you're completely aligned in your four minds? Are you ready for a sacred experience? Allow yourself the freedom to be replenished and free. Connect with me at CordeliaGaffar.com.